So I'm working through this sinus thing, so I will try to be thorough today. I don't know, this is, my voice is on a time clock right now. So somewhere around noon, I'll wrap it up, but I don't know what I'll sound like. So, and you'll probably be happy to know that I probably won't be doing a lot of yelling today either. So I won't be yelling at you. Uh, I'll, I'll want to maybe at some point. No, I, and I don't. I don't. I don't try to yell. I just. I just get passionate about about these things. I might follow Jesus. I, I. I'm not really. I hope that you don't think it that way. I just get get passionate. So so we're going to be doing a series over the next few weeks just about what we call it ignite and and what really that's about is that we want to ignite or maybe reignite maybe something that God has begun maybe years ago. Maybe you became a Christian a number of years ago and you, you know, had an enthusiasm and a, and a passion for God. And that sort of has seemed, if you're, if you're honest with, our, you know, if you're with yourself, that, that passion has sort of seemed to just sort of, you know, maybe become just a slow, a little slow ember, you know, a little, you know, it just hasn't, you didn't have the enthusiasm like you once did. Or, and so we want to ignite that uh, in you. We might, maybe you're here and you don't have, you're not, you don't call yourself a Christian, which is, which is fine. You don't call yourself a follower of Jesus. Um, but we want to try to tell you the reason why, or at least I want to tell you the reason why I call myself a Christian, the reason why I'm a Christian. Similar to parents, you know, we, we give our kids the what, right? We give our kids what we want them to do. And, you know, when they were younger, maybe three, four, five you know, it was kind of cute, wasn't it, when they would ask why? They were trying to understand the world around them. They were trying to get, you know, life and, and why, you know, mom and dad were asking their kids to do certain things. And, and so it was cute. But when they become 13, 11, 9, 6, it, the, the, the whys start to become annoying, don't they? And if you've been a parent for a long time and you have a teenager and the wise, like, you know, and then eventually what, what do we say? I say this as a parent, you know, you, what, what do I want you to do? I want you, well, I want you to do this. What do I want you to do? I want you to do that. And then the, it's like, why? And then eventually we sort of cop out as parents, right? We say, because I said so, right? Have you ever said that? Moms, dads? Because I said so. Like, you don't even care to give the why anymore. There is a why. But you don't have time to elaborate on the why. You just say, because I said so. So my job as a pastor and, and as a leader of, of, a, of a church and, and, and our other ministers around here, we oftentimes make the same mistake. We, we tell you what we want you to do. And then you, you might, you don't say it, but you might think it in your head, well, why? You know, why, why are we doing, you know, something? Why are we doing this? Why do we do that? You know, and, and after a while, you know, as a pastor, I get fed up and I say, because I said so, you know? Like, you know, more importantly, God says, because I said so. And, and we speak for God, even though God is more patient than I am. And God is more willing to give you an explanation as to the why behind the what, and so <clears throat> over the next few, few weeks, we're going to talk about what we think that you should do, what God thinks you should do as a Christian. What is it that God is asking you to do as a follower of Jesus? Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you're not required to do these things. You're not ask, you're, we're not going to ask you to do these things. But if you do say, I'm a Christian, 
I've, I put my faith in Jesus. I, I have a relationship with him. This is what we believe that God is telling us that you should, you should do. And so before we give you the what's, and I'm going to give you what the, the, they are at the end of this talk, if I get there. <clears throat> but before we get to the what's, I want to give you the why behind the what's. I want to give you the why's behind the what. Why do we follow Christ? Why do we do what God wants us to do? And, and you know, why do we do certain things? I want to give you the why's behind it. So our mission as a church, Market Street Church, our mission is simply this. And we try to <clears throat> do this as simple as we possibly can, is to love people and grow in Jesus. That's our, that's our mission. Our mission around here, if you're new around here, this is, what our, this is why we exist. This is why we you know, have, a, have a church service on Sunday mornings at, at 11 a.m. This is why we have certain events and activities. We just wrapped up our adventure week last week. And, <clears throat> and our mission is we simply want to love people. That's our mission. We believe that that's what Jesus said that we should do as a church, as, as a Christian, as a follower. We should love people wherever they're at, whatever their choices are, whatever their preferences are, whatever they're going through, wherever they're at. That we simply, as a Christian, we simply love people, no matter what, unconditional. And, but we don't want, them to, we don't want people to stay there. We don't want you to stay in, in, in one place. We want you to grow in Jesus. That we believe that God has given each one of us a mandate or a goal, and that is to become more like Jesus in everything that we do. It's not just playing the Christian part on a Sunday morning. It's being Christ everywhere that we go. It's representing Jesus in whatever we do, whether you're at work, whether you're playing softball, whether you're on a basketball court, whatever the case may be, whether you're golfing, you know, how you handle your family, that your goal, God's goal for you, is to be more like Jesus. And we think, we think that that's a process. We know that that's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. You don't become like Jesus after you put your faith in Jesus. You don't become like Jesus the next day. It's a process. And so as a church, as a church, we love people. As a church, we want to grow in Jesus. We want to grow to become more like Jesus in our everyday life. That's our mission. That's our mission. You are going to hear so much about this, okay? From here on out, you're going to hear so much about this. And we're going to try to do the best we can, the best we can, to tell you why we do certain things and where it fits under our mission. What we do and why we do it and how it fits under that mission of loving people, growing in Jesus, growing Jesus. That's our mission. So why? Why do we have that as our mission? Why is our mission to love people? Why is it our mission to grow in Jesus? Paul wrote the second letter to Timothy. He wrote a first letter to Timothy, which was um, a young man in the ministry, uh, leading people, leading the church. And Paul was sort of his mentor. He was not sort of, was his mentor. Calls himself his spiritual father, which we'll look at in a second. And Paul just wanted to encourage this man, young man. Paul wrote this second letter because I think, I think Timothy was sort of waning a bit. He was sort of feeling the weight of being a part of the church. 
He was feeling the weight of being a follower of Jesus. And you've probably, if you're honest, you sometimes feel that weight too. What it requires, what it sacrifices, the, th- the things that you have to, you know, to give up, you know, dying to self. These are the things that the scripture says. So he was feeling that. And so Paul, the apostle Paul, wrote the second letter to Timothy to say, hey, don't quit. Don't give up. Let's, let's ignite that something inside of you that God has already begun. Let's reignite that again. And I'll tell you why you should. This is what Paul told Timothy, and this is what I want to share with you for a few minutes this morning. Okay, second letter to Timothy, starting in uh, chapter one, starting in verse three. I thank God, whom I serve with a clear conscience, the way my forefathers did, as I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day. This is the kind of relationship that Paul had with Timothy, always remembering him in his prayers night and day. Verse four, longing to see you even even as I recall your tears so that I might be filled with joy. So he's just describing this experience that he had with Timothy, you know, of they shared, you know, laughs together, I'm sure, but they also, you know, shared tears together. They shared moments in, in their life together, which, you know, which brought, and Paul's just reminding Timothy of this special encounter that they had with one another. And he says, listen, I, I've, I long to see you. I long to see, I want, you know, I want to be, you know, with you again. He says, that would just fill me with joy. He says this, look what he says in verse um, four, five. He says, for I am mindful of the sincere faith within you. He says, I am mindful of the sincere faith within you. So this is ultimately our goal. Our goal is to have this kind of sincere faith. Not faith, that's, you know, faith. All of us can have some sort of faith, you know, faith where we, you know, come to church every now and again, that, you know, that kind of faith, or faith where we, you know, sometimes just pray and pray over food, you know, that's good, and all, all those things are good, but Paul's mentioning something better than that. He's saying, listen, I don't want you to just have this sort of minimal faith. I want you to have sincere faith. I want you to have, now, that word sincere, there's a couple ways in which it's described in a couple different languages. In the Greek, the word sincere Hypocrites, which we get the word hypocrites. We get the word hypocrites. So he's describing like, I want you to have a kind of faith that's not a hypocritical kind of a faith. I want you to have a faith that isn't inconsistent. I want you to have a faith that isn't what James would say, double-minded, double-minded and unstable in all your ways. Now, the Latin word for sincere is sign. And that word, that it's two words, actually, sign, which means without, and Sarah, which means wax. It's two words, sign, without, Sarah, which means wax. Now, the reason why the Latins use that word, where we get that word sincerity from, from, from the Latin language, two words, which is sign, without, Sarah, which means wax, is this. Early on, when, when the Greeks would make things out of pottery or make things out of marble after they would design. So if you wanted a a bust of your favorite Greek hero, let's say, okay? Imagine you wanted, you know, your favorite Greek hero made out of marble, okay? They would design that. They would sculpt that. Now, sometimes, like, a piece of that marble would break off. Maybe it was like an earlobe 
of that marble or maybe a finger of that marble would break off. Instead of starting all over again, which would, you would think would be a terrible, tedious thing to do, they would use wax to hide the imperfection. They would use wax, clear wax, to sort of put back, like we would use glue, right, if something broke. They would use wax to put back the earlobe, or they would use clear wax to put back on the finger. But they would sell it as though it was perfect. And so people wouldn't be able to recognize it until they put it outside. <clears throat> so let's say you had this, this Greek hero. They would put it outside, and when the sun would hit it, it would melt away and the earlobe would fall off. It would melt away and the finger would fall off. <clears throat> and so they would have on their storefronts, however this worked, they would have without wax. They would say, we're selling these products. They're genuine. They're authentic. And they're perfect. They're without wax. That's where the word sincere came from. It came from that place of, hey, we're not trying to fool anybody. We're not trying to cover up our flaws. We're not trying to hide our imperfections. We're genuine. This is what Paul told Timothy, and this is what God is telling you today. That God wants you to have a genuine faith, a sincere faith. Now, does that mean that we don't have any imperfections? I got news for you. I've got a lot of them. You have a lot of them. The scripture has already exposed us in that way. If you want to be a Christian that pretends like you have it all together, you're not fooling anyone. If you want to think that you're a Christian that just is like perfect and does everything right and does everything you're supposed to do, you're not fooling anybody because God has already exposed us to our imperfections. God has already told us that, listen, because of your imperfections, you need a savior. You needed a savior for, for that. But God says, listen, I'm joining you in the process of becoming without wax, of becoming genuine, of becoming sincere. And God wants you to have a faith that is sincere. So what does a sincere faith look like? Why have a sincere faith? Why have a sincere faith? Well, here's what Paul told Timothy as we go on. He says, for I am mindful of the sincere faith within you. Then he says this, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am sure that it is in you as well. Now, here's what Paul is reminding Timothy, and here's what God wants to remind you, okay? Here's what it is. Remember those who have guided you. Remember those who have guided you. God says, I want you to have a sincere faith. How do you have a sincere faith? Is by remembering those who have guided you. That's how you have a sincere faith. This is what Paul's saying to Timothy. Hey, Timothy, you remember your grandmother? She had a sincere faith. You remember your mother? She had a sincere faith. Timothy, I want you to remember those who guided you. I want you to remember those who invested in you. Listen, listen. Do you remember the people that invested in you? Do you remember the people back in your life that you can look back and, th and thought, boy, they really spent time with me? 
They really, you know, dedicated, you know, time and resources, maybe even money with me. God says, listen, I want you to remember who guided you, and I want you to do that for someone else. I want you to remember who guided you, and I want you to take that, and I want you to do that for someone else. That God says, listen, listen, just like somebody invested in you, I want you to invest in someone else. Just like somebody spent time with you, I want you to spend time with other people. Paul told this church in church in Corinth. Look what he says. Look what he tells them. He says, therefore, I exhort you. I urge you. He says, be imitators of me. Now, that's kind of bold, don't you think? That's kind of arrogant. You know, but Paul's like, listen. And later on in the, same, in the same book or same letter he wrote, later on he said, listen, I want you to be imitators of me as I imitate Christ. I want you to be imitators of me as I imitate Christ. So as I'm following Christ, now listen, this is, this is what I want you to remember. As you're following Christ, you should want to have Timothys that are imitating you. And there's nothing wrong with that. Paul said it. As a matter of fact, he said it in other, church, other places. Look what he says. <clears throat> he says, for this reason, I've sent to you Timothy, who is my beloved and faithful child in the Lord. So he's his beloved and faithful child in the Lord. And he will remind you of my ways. So he sends Timothy. Timothy goes to this church and he says, hey, hey, he's gonna remind you of my ways. He's gonna remind you, which are in Christ. So they're not really my ways. I got them from, from Christ. Just as I teach everywhere in every church. He says this in, in, to the church in Philippi. Look what he says. Brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. He's going, guys, this is, I want you to join in following my example. That Jesus has given us a pattern and I'm following Jesus' pattern and I want you to follow my pattern. That you have seen, not just, Paul say, not just in me, but in us. Guys, listen, listen. You and I have been given a pattern that has been set by Jesus for us to live and for others to watch. And just as somebody guided you, you're sitting here, you're sitting here today, if you're a Christian, you're sitting here today because someone decided that they wanted to be Jesus to you. Can you think of that person? Can you think of that person that you can look back and go, boy, they really set the example of what it looks like to be like Jesus. And that you're to follow that pattern and therefore want people to see that in you. And for you to remember, just as they guided me, I'm going to guide other people. People. Paul says it this way in, in, in Philippians again. He says this. The things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. Practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. So here's what Paul's saying. 
Practice Paul's pattern with people and it will provide you peace. Practice Paul's pattern with people and it will provide you peace. Just like Paul had somebody that invested in him, Paul invested in a young man named Timothy. And what Paul is telling Timothy is, I want you to now do that for someone else. I want you to practice Paul's pattern of how he lived his life, and I want you to do that with people. And you know what it will do for you? It will give you the peace that only comes from God. The second thing of why behind the what, the second thing of how to have sincere faith is this. Remember the gift that is in you. You need to remember the gift that is in you. Where do we get that from? He says this in in verse 6. He says, for this reason, I remind you, Timothy, church, I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. He says, guys, listen, I want you, I want you to remember that when you receive Christ, that God gave you what is called a spiritual ability or a spiritual gift. That when you receive Christ as your Savior, that God has placed inside of you that wasn't there before Christ, but arrived when the Spirit of God came inside of your heart. He gave you an ability, a supernatural ability. And all of those look different according to the scriptures. They all look different. They all have, we all have different, some have the similar things, but they all, all of us are given a gift. And so he says, listen, listen, Paul, Peter, Peter says it this way. He says, as each one has received a special gift, employ it. In other words, use it, engage it, you know, don't, don't neglect it. He says, as each one has received a special gift, employ it in, in doing what? Serving one another, serving one another. What you're to do with the gift that God has given you that you didn't have on your own, is, to me, is meant for, not for your benefit necessarily, but for the benefit of someone else. He says, I want you to take that gift that you have, and I want you to serve one another as a good steward. As a good steward, meaning that it isn't something that you own, it isn't yours, it's a gift that God has given you on, in your time here on this planet to serve other people, to serve other people. He says, of the manifold grace of God, which is a grace. It means you didn't earn that gift. You didn't deserve that gift. It was a gift that was given to you, and you are to employ it. He says this in verse 11. Whoever speaks is to do so as the one who is speaking the utterance of God. In other words, if he says, if you have the gift to speak, you're doing it as if you're speaking for God. If, you're, if, you, if that's your gift, you're speaking for God. He says this. He says, whoever serves is to do so as the one who is serving by the strength which God supplies. So when you have a gift, you employ that gift. And when you're speaking for God, you're, you're, when you're speaking, you're doing it as if God is speaking. Like right now, this is not 
my words, these are, these are God's words that God, I believe, that God has placed on my heart to share with you. As little a voice that I have right now, God sounds a lot better than this. But he's given you this to use it. He's given you it to, to, to bless other people and ultimately will bring you joy and ultimately will bring you fulfillment. But he's given you something that, that is meant to be stirred up inside of you. You know how this works. You know, have a campfire. The other day we had a campfire at my house. I had a, like these piles of sticks and, and tree limbs and all that stuff. And so I was like, all right, let's, we're gonna have some s'mores tonight. And so I lit that thing on fire, man. That thing just like was hitting the, the, te the telephone wires or lines or whatever those things are. And my wife is like, you need to come and deal with this thing. This thing is like way too high. And I'm like, I, I don't want to, nothing to do with that. Eventually, eventually the fire died down, right? And eventually it just became just like these little, small little embers, you know? And so what I did was, is I just took my rake and I pulled up all of those logs, those extra sticks that were sort of, you know, left over on the side of the fire pit. And I sort of just stirred them up and I put them in the middle of the fire pit. And you know what happened? The flame came back. The flame came back. You know that you have inside of you something amazing that God wants to do in and through you that you couldn't do on your own. And so it's important that you understand that you have the ability inside of you already to stir up what is inside of you so that the flame comes back. So that the flame comes back. It's already in there. It's already lit. You just need to stir it up. You need to stir it up. You need to employ it. You need to employ it. Now, now, I want to give you, I want to give you how to employ it. I want to give you just some helpful things that, that were helpful for me, and I think that it should be helpful for you. But you have a gift, and you need to stir it up so that that flame can ignite again inside of your heart so that you can then begin to bless other people. So I want to give you some things to which employ it. Skip this last slide. Thank you. How do you employ it? you got to experiment. you got to experiment. What I mean by that is this. You need to try out different ministries. You need to try out different areas of ministry. If, you don't, if you've never had a ministry where you've served in, you need to try some different things out. We have a tendency to go, well, I'll just try this one thing part-time. I'll try this one thing, you know, once a month. It's, you're not going to discover your spiritual gift unless you experiment with other things, with multiple things. And then, listen, we don't want you to be you know, involved or serve in multiple areas. Then you're going you're gonna to discover what you're most effective in, and we're going to help you with that. We, we can help you with that. So we want you to experiment with multiple things, but then we want you to narrow it down to the thing that you're most effective. The thing that people go, wow, you're really good at this. The thing that you get, and then what happens for you, the thing that you get enjoyment from, enjoyment from. So you experiment, and then we narrow it down to the thing that you're most effective in and the thing that you enjoy. You know what we don't want you to do? Here's what we don't want you to do in my world, church world. We don't want you to be unhappy in your ministry. We don't want you to begrudgingly show up. We don't want that. 
Because that doesn't do any good for any of the kids or any of our people walking into this building or any other ministry we do for the community. It doesn't know, does us no good. But here's what I know. You not now need to then experiment to find the thing that you're most effective in and the thing that you enjoy and then engage 100%. Not part-time, not a quarter of the time, not uh, when I feel like it or when I'm on the schedule. Engage 100%. It's a gift that God has given you to use it. Employ it. Don't neglect it. And here's what you'll discover. Here's, here's for me. Here's for me. I, I just want you to know this. I am most alive when I'm using the gift that God has given me. I feel most alive right now in this moment because God's doing something in and through me that I couldn't do on my own. And I want you to experience that too. I want you to know that there's a gift inside of you that is dying to come out. It's like a buried treasure. You have the ability to find it and to bring it out. And I'm telling you, you will be blessed and you will bless other people. And those of you that aren't using your gifts, man, you're neglecting me being blessed. Stop it. And you're neglecting the person next to you of them being blessed. Because buried down deep inside of you, it's there, is a gift. And Peter's saying, employ it. And Paul's telling Timothy, rekindle it. Stir it up. Light that thing on fire. And watch what it does for the people around you. Watch what it does for your heart. But you got to experiment and then you got to know where you're effective. And then you'll know it because you, you, you'll enjoy it. And then engage. Engage. The third thing. Third thing. Remember the resources given to you. Remember the resources given to you. This is sort of similar to the last point, but I want to, but Paul tells Timothy, there's something else that you need to know that you have inside of you. That you don't just have a gift. But you have these things. Look at, look at the resources. Verse 7. <clears throat> For God has not given us a spirit of timidity. Or other versions say a spirit of fear. Or anxiety. Or worry. God hasn't God doesn't given you that spirit. If you know Christ, you, that spirit needs to be gone. That spirit of timidity, being timid, fearful, afraid anxious, worried. He says, if you're feeling these things, those are things that you're trying to draw from your own resources. Let me say that again. If you're feeling these things, you're trying to draw from your own resources, yourself. You're trying to figure it out on your own. You're trying to work it out in your own mind of how you're gonna work yourself past this obstacle. This, he says, if you have that timidity feeling, that fearful feeling, that anxious feeling, this is you trying to draw from yourself. He said, Timothy, there's something greater inside of you. There's something greater that you can draw from. And look what he tells him. 
Nope, go back, sorry. Verse seven, thank you. He says, not the spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. This is what you can draw from. So when it comes to, you, you know, things where you may feel anxious or worried, he says, listen, listen, you know what you have inside of you? You have the, 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 the spirit of power inside of you. You have the spirit of power inside of you. That the, the Bible says this, the scripture says this, that in you, in you, is the same power that raised Christ from the grave is in you. That word power we, is where we get our word dynamite from. That you have inside of you the power, man, to explode and to, and to be, you know, be, you know, not be afraid and, and not worry and not feel anxiety because you have the ability to draw from this power that God gives. This, this na- supernatural ability that God gives you to, 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 to use when you need it. And he says not just power, but, but love. And this is the kind of love that is, is not like, the love that we see in this world where, you know, it's all like emotional and, you know, it's all just feeling based. That's, that's worldly love. Love here, in the, especially in the scriptures, love is, is action based. Love is, is unconditional. The world is, love is conditional. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out and we move on. But God's love is unconditional. It's unconditional. God's love is, is action. Even, even you, you love, you, 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 know, you put, invest, and you put other people first, even when you don't feel like it, and even when they don't deserve it. You love, it's, it's action. It's unmerited. And discipline, discipline is, that idea of discipline is, is having a sound mind, having a clear mind, having self-discipline. So in other words, when you maybe experience success in this life, you don't let pride go to your head. Or maybe when you feel failure in this life, you don't let hopelessness go to your heart. It's you're being, you're disciplined. You're saying, you know what? Whether I'm, I have success or whether I have failure, I know that I, I'm God's. I know that I belong to him. And he has given me the spirit of power and love and discipline. That's what he's given me. And so, what, and, and here's the thing. You don't know you have it until you take, have to take that step to do it. You don't know that you have it because many of us feel like, I don't feel like I have that power. I don't, I don't know if I have that love. And I certainly don't think that I have that discipline. But until you take that step of faith, you'll never know. But when you take that step of faith and trust God in a circumstance and walk in faith and trust in God in, in, a, in a difficult place, then you know what you'll discover? Then you'll discover that God has given you a power to say, Paul said it this way. Paul says, I can do all things. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul said it this way, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Paul said it this way, that the power that I have inside of me, that I can do abundantly more than I can ask or think. The power that is inside of me, it gives me the ability to do more, abundantly more than what I can even think of or ask for. That's the power that you can draw from. But you got to take that step of trust.
And when you don't know if you can love, you don't know if you can have it in you to love people that are hard to love, you got to do love, act out love, and then you'll discover, you know what you'll discover? That you do and have the ability to love the way that God loves. And when you don't think that you have self-control in a particular area in your life, maybe a pastime has become a habit, and a habit has now become an addiction, and that has taken a stronghold of your life, until you decide to have self-discipline in your life, you'll never know that you have that ability to say no. To say no. Paul told Timothy, God's telling you that you have inside of you a power, a love, and a discipline. And because of these resources, here's what Paul said. He says, therefore, look at verse eight. He says, therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner. He says, knowing this, knowing that you have a gift, knowing that you have power, you have love, you have self-control, self-discipline, he says, you should never be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord. You should never be ashamed of your faith. You should never be ashamed to call yourself a Christian. You should never be ashamed to pray publicly. You should never be ashamed to talk to somebody about Jesus. You should never be ashamed. Why? Because God has given you a gift to employ, a power to be used, a a, a love to be demonstrated and exhibited. God has given you self-discipline to do what you couldn't do on your own and to say no to the flesh urges, to say no to the world. And because of that, you should not, you and I should never be ashamed that we follow Jesus. Because we're all imperfect people who need a relationship with Jesus, who mends everything. He takes things that are broken and he puts them back together again. He does better than that. He takes things that are dead and he brings them back to life. You have a dead relationship, he brings it back. You have a dead friendship, he brings it back. You have a dead home life with your kids, he brings it back to life. Never be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. And Paul says, I'm so not ashamed that I'm willing to go to prison. I'm willing to stand up for what I know is true. And he's saying, join with me. Join with me in my, look what he calls it, in my suffering. We we live in America. Being a Christian is not all that hard here, but we act like it is. I mean, you you need to travel the world and you need to go around the world different places. You need to discover how hard it is really to be a Christian. You need to go places in this world where, man, that really, being a Christian really means more. You know what you'll find there? You know what you'll find in other places of this world? You know what you'll find? You'll actually, you'll actually find sincere faith. You'll find sincere faith. American Christianized culture, there's a lot of faith, 
There's a lot of faith. I don't know how sincere it is. There's a lot of talk. There's a lot of, I do this or that. But I don't know how sincere it is. And I'm not just talking to you, I'm talking to me. I have a mirror right here too. Because I want to be a church and I want to lead a church that has sincere faith. I want to lead a church and be a part of a church that that, that isn't ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ who's brought people from death to life, out of darkness into light, born in sin, out of sin, and born into a new creation, creation, a new creature in Christ. That's what I want to be. And our faith is real. Our faith is authentic. Our faith is genuine, and I'm not ashamed of it. Don't be ashamed of it. And so Paul's saying, come on, join me. Is this an easy road? No. Is following Christ hard? Yeah. You get a little snicker or mock or ridicule, big deal. You're not going to prison. Paul's like, I'm a prisoner for this. Because of what I know, not because how I feel, but because of what I know is true. So join with me. Church, come on, come on. Join with me in our mission to love people and grow in Jesus. Church, come on, come on, come on. I'm urging you. Follow me as I'm following Christ. Let's not be a church that just gathers just because we think that we should, sings a few songs, gives a few bucks in a plate, and we go home and we feel okay about ourselves because we showed up. Who cares about that? Let's be a church that says, you know what? I'm engaging in a mission that is bigger than me. I'm engaging in something that's bigger than anything else, any other vision or any other mission that this world has to offer. Let's engage in that. The fourth thing, and I'll be done. He says there, verse, fourth thing is this, remember the calling of grace that has been granted to you. And I don't want to just Rush through that. Remember the calling of grace that has been granted to you. Christian, you remember when you received the gift of grace that you didn't deserve and you didn't earn, it was just granted to you? Here, here, you can have eternal life. Here, you can be forgiven of your sins and you didn't have to do anything to deserve that or earn that. You just are given this gift and it's called grace. You remember, remember, remember that was granted to you? He says in verse nine, he says this, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works. You didn't, you didn't do it. You, didn't, you can't work your, yourself into a, a good standing with God. You, didn't, you can't earn yourself into a right standing with God. It's grace. But according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ Jesus 
from all of eternity. Verse 10, look what he says. But now have been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus. Who Look, at, look, what, he does, look what he's done for you and me. He's abolished death and brought life. Christian, come on. You, you, you're going to take your last breath on this earth. And you're not going to be swallowed, swallowed up into the grave and lost forever. No, 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 no. He abolished death. You take your last breath and according to the scriptures, you fall asleep because sleep is temporary and then you wake up in eternity. Death was abolished. You receive life forever. I'll start, I'll start it. I'll start it. I'll do it. And he's not even done. And immortality. Like resurrected, new bodies, immortality kind of stuff. Woo! I'm not ashamed of that. I'm not ashamed of that. That's grace. That's grace. And it's grace that's offered to every single person. And we're on a mission to love people so that they can see that grace. We're on a mission, you hear me? To love people so that they can see and experience that grace that you received. And we don't want them to stay where they're at. And we don't want you to stay where you're at. And I don't want to stay where I'm at. I want to grow in my relationship with Jesus. I want to become more like Jesus. And I have a long ways to go. Ask the guys on the softball field. I have a long ways to go. But I'm heading in that direction. I want to be more like Jesus. And I'm in that process. And I want you to engage and join in that process but it's about people coming to a relationship with Jesus do you hear me it's about people coming to a relationship with Jesus um, years ago not long ago I met a young man his name was Donovan Donovan was a young guy came periodically with um, a kid who uh, his family attended the church here and, you know, Donovan admittedly was, you know, he's like, I, he goes, I, I did what all the other, you know, teenagers did. I just put my head down while you were talking and went to sleep. And I was like, ah, I know, I see, I saw it, you know, I, I, I try not to take it personal, but I'm just kidding. He's like, the other day, not a couple, a couple weeks ago, um, he was out playing basketball, which a lot of, you know, guys come and play basketball at our church. And I'm walking to my car, and I hear, Pastor. Young man walks up to me, tall, thin, handsome. He's like, I don't know if you recognize me. I've lost a lot of weight, you know, he told me. He's like, I, I, he goes, I, I'm, I'm Donovan. I came with a friend of mine. I said, oh, yeah, I, I recognize you. He's like, I just want you to know. He goes, I'm, I'm praying a lot more. I'm trying to get my life in order, and I'll see you Sunday. Now, you know how many times people have said that to me? 
and I never see him Sunday. So to be honest with you, I'm like, you know, I try to give everybody the benefit of the doubt, but I was like, all right, well, if I see him. And sure enough, he showed up Sunday. And he's been coming Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. So this week, I walking outside, and he's outside playing basketball as he likes to do. And I say, hey, Donovan, how you doing? He's I'm good. And we had a conversation. Our conversation led to me asking him, I think, the most important question that you can ask people. Hey, Donovan, have you ever received Christ as your Lord and Savior? Donovan, do you know that because of your sin, it separates you from God, but God, because of his love and his grace, gave us his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him will not die, will not perish because death was abolished, will not die, will not perish, but will have eternal life. He looked at me and he goes, I don't think I've ever done that. I said, Donovan, can we do that? Are you wanting to do that right now? And he said, yeah. So right outside, in the parking lot, on our basketball court, we didn't have to come inside the church. We didn't have to turn the lights on. We didn't have to play worship music. I didn't have to preach a sermon. Right outside, on the ba- at the basketball court, I put my arm on, on his, his shoulder And he put his arm on my shoulder and he goes, am I supposed to do this? I love that. I thought that was hilarious. (laughs) I said, no, you don't have to do that. I said, I just want to put my hand, my arm on your shoulder. And I want you to, I want to lead you in this. And I told him, I said, it's not a prayer. It's more of a confession. The Bible says that when you confess with your mouth, but more importantly, when you believe in your heart that Jesus died for your sins. And he beat death and he rose from the grave. And I said, I said, I go, I go, it takes more faith to believe that he didn't resurrect than it does to believe that he did. And he's like, really? I said, yeah, we'll, we'll talk more about that later. But it takes more faith to believe that he didn't resurrect than it does to believe that he didn't. I believe based on evidence. And I said, we'll talk about that later. But so right now, I said, I just want you to, I just want to lead you. So we prayed. God, I know I'm a sinner. He repeated after me, God, I need a savior. Would you come into my heart? Would you forgive me of my sins? Because I know you died for me. And I know that you beat death and you rose from the grave. I want to make you Lord of my life. Right there. You know what happened to Donovan? He became a child of God. Right there. Yeah. He's the point. He's the reason why we exist. People like Donovan and maybe people like you here today are the reason why the church exists. To seek, to save those who are lost so that they can be found in Christ Jesus. That's the point 
So engage with us in that mission, would you? Would you? So the next four weeks, woo, we're going to really step on some toes. But it's going to be fun. And it's going to be sincere. I've went way too long. I'm surprised my voice held up this long. I apologize for getting you out so late. Let's pray together. Father, um, our mission as a Christian church is to introduce people to your son, Jesus, because he's the way, he's the truth, and he's the life. And Father, nobody gets to you unless it's through your son, Jesus, who took the penalty of sin and death for us so that we can be free from our sins and forgiven of our sins. And Father, many times it just sounds so too good to be true, but that's what your grace is. It's too good. It's amazing, is your grace. Father, help us to not forget the reason why we are forgiven. The reason why we are set free. The reason why we still have breath in our lungs in this world. Because we are called, a holy calling, to engage in a mission. To love people. To love people. And to help them grow in their relationship, in their personal, saving relationship with Jesus. And I pray this in his name. Amen. God bless you.